You're listening to Comedy Central. Professor Claude, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. <laughs> it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. First of all, can I just say how impressed I am that you, you're at home, but you're rocking that suit like you are in a studio somewhere. It's really impressive. You know, if you ask me to stand up, it'll be a different question, but I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate it. People always ask me about the books that are behind me here, and yours has been here almost from the very beginning, I think. You write about race, and you write about America's stories and the stories it tells itself about race. James Baldwin is notorious for being a writer who wrote and spoke his mind and in many ways taps, taps into the consciousness of what it means to be black in America. Your new book delves into his life, but it's part biography, part analyzing, you know, his writing and how it applies to, to, to what we're going through today. In, in all the time since those books have been written, has anything changed? Well, you know, Baldwin has this wonderful line, America's always changing, but America never changes. There's this sense that the country is dynamic, but there's this ongoing through line. And this through line is the value gap, the value gap that I mentioned in Democracy and Black, and that is this belief that white people matter more than others. And that belief evidences itself, Trevor, in our habits and our dispositions and our practices. And then we tell a whole host of lies to protect those beliefs, right? And so even as we change, you know, having Barack Obama as the president is not the same as being in Jim Crow, which is not the same as being enslaved. But the through line is white people are valued more than others. And so that's, that's, that's what um, Baldwin understood. Um, and I think he's our most insightful writer about democracy and race in this country. And I think that's why uh, his work is like ever, an evergreen. But what I do in this book is I focus on the latter work, the later writings. And that's what's unsettling a lot of people. This is stuff that was written, so it was out there, but, but it really seems to unsettle people when you delve into Baldwin's work and almost delve into what it means. Why do you think it's so unsettling? The later Baldwin is a Baldwin that's trying to come to terms with America's betrayal. Most folks say he's bitter, he's angry, his rage has overwhelmed his art. But Baldwin is trying to come to terms with the fact that the country has assassinated Martin Luther King Jr. He's collapsed in 1969, he tries to commit suicide. Um, failed relationship. The country uh, is is on the road to not only electing Richard Nixon, it, you know, but it's on the road to electing Ronald Reagan. And for many people, they don't understand Ronald Reagan was as notorious as George Wallace for black folk mm. in this country. Um, and so I was I was interested in Baldwin, who was trying to make sense of our trauma, our pain, our wound, trying to pick up the pieces in the face of America's betrayal. And here we are in our moment, after Barack Obama's presidency, after, and then the vitriol of the, of the Tea Party, voter suppression and voter ID laws, and then we vomited up Donald Trump. And right. I was trying to deal with my own despair and disillusionment. And so I turned to him in that moment. Was there even a glimpse of hope in Baldwin's work? Was there something you looked at where you said, wow, okay, at least that's changed, or that's gotten better, or this is one part of life for a black person in America that has maybe not held up in the texts? Or is it just pretty much prophetic and also at the same time relevant? Yeah, I found hope. You know, I had to, because one of the things I was trying to do is to figure out how, to, how did he manage his rage and his faith in us, right? How could he be angry and still have, hold on to the belief that we could still build a new Jerusalem. And there's this mm -hmm. wonderful line he dropped in 1970, man. He said, hope is invented every day. And you know that idea of hope being invented every day in the context of one having to battle for one's life 
having to struggle just to find the space to smile, the space to just simply imagine that tomorrow could be better. You have to invent hope in that context. And it's, that becomes the precondition for you to join the battle again. Even when he embraced the, the anger and rage of, of black power, he never gave up the question that, that or the, the, the claim that it was a moral issue at its heart. Right. And so at the end of the day, he wants to insist that we be true to ourselves, that we tell the truth about what we've done so that we can free ourselves into imagining being together differently. And as an artist and a poet, he tried to make that as clear as possible and as powerful and provocative as possible. Let me ask you about this. One thing I pick up in Baldwin's writing is he, he oftentimes feels almost guilty that he's living in France for a certain amount of time where, where he's away from the strife of his fellow black American. And, and he acknowledges that he's living a better life as a black American in France. What's interesting is I remember black Americans who would come to South Africa and although apartheid was happening, they would comment on how they weren't subjected to the same racist laws as black South Africans were. And it's a really interesting dynamic where it feels like if black people go to a country where they don't have a history in that country, the people in that country seem to get along with them easier or, or in a different way. Do you think part of it goes back to what Baldwin was saying about, about the guilt and the burden of that guilt? Is that when people don't have to deal with the history of what peoples have done to other peoples, they can then engage in a forward-looking discussion? You know, I think Baldwin always grappled with survivors, survivor's guilt, right? He watched Medgar get murdered. He watched Malcolm get murdered and Malcolm get murdered and Sammy Young and Jimmy Lee Jackson. And he saw so many of his young friends from Howard and Fisk uh, their eyes darkened. So he, he wanted to write about all of those who did not survive and those who survived, but who were broken. Um, but he needed the space. You know, when I, when I was in Heidelberg, I didn't, you know, the, I was in Heidelberg for an hour and I saw a police, four white police officers with their knees in the back of a black man who was screaming at the top of his lungs, help. I wasn't in Heidelberg for an hour. But the thing is that I didn't have to comment on it. I didn't have to account for it. Right. In some ways, I could go back to my flat and breathe. It was like a moment when I was away out of the country, I could exhale, you know, because I wasn't their black problem. You know, I was the American walking around with my American passport. You know? Right. Right. And then when I was at the I gave lectures at the University of the North when I was there, I wasn't there. You know what I mean? I, I looked like folk, but it wasn't I wasn't. How can I put it? I wasn't there. Negroes. Mm. You get the point. And so you get the space to breathe. And so Baldwin would leave the country in order to think more carefully about it. Because when you're here, you have to navigate so much of this nonsense. And he right. left America in 1948 because he said, if I don't get out of this country, I'm either going to kill somebody or I'm going to be killed. So right here on Route 1, right here in Princeton, New Jersey, in Lawrenceville, a waitress refused to serve him and he hurled a glass at her head and broke, shattered the glass behind her and then had to run for his life. He knew the rage and anger was consuming him. He was becoming his stepfather. So when he chose Paris, he had the space to actually create himself, to will himself into being a writer. Sometimes that's all we need is the space to breathe so that we can be, man. What is the one thing you hope that they will get from this? Or if somebody says to you, Professor, I, I, why would I want to read this book? What is the one thing you hope to give them in this new analysis of Baldwin's life? Yeah, I mean, at the heart of it is the through line that we have to tell the truth. 
and stand, be courageous enough to tell the truth. And once we tell the truth about what we've done and who we are, then we can free ourselves into imagining a different world and imagining ourselves differently. We're shackled by categories. We're shackled by our lies. We're trapped in this fantasy. You know, America thinks of itself as the as never never land. It's always, you know, we're full of lost boys and lost girls. We don't want to be responsible and held accountable for anything. So we have to tell the truth. And here we are in a moment of moral reckoning where the country can be otherwise. But every single time we try to give birth to a new nation, the umbilical cord of white supremacy is wrapped around its neck. So we have to tell truth. We have to be truthful and be really responsible midwives so that we can give birth finally to a new country that is a genuinely multiracial democracy. Our history says we're not going to do very well, but I have faith because wherever human beings are, again, we have a chance. There is always hope. Professor Claude, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you, Doc. I appreciate you. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.